good morning folks today uh, in the series today uh, i have with me akash mishra who's a uh, technocrat by profession has been in the data science industry for the last 8 years welcome akash thanks pravin thanks for the introduction so i see that you have 8 years of experience uh, with leading banks like uh, icici and hdfc bank so i would like to you know take your time in understanding your uh, foresight in terms of uh, how the banking industry is uh, looking at today what according to you with the top 5 things today customers expects from bank okay so my answer to this question would not be exactly the five things but i would like to explain a bit about the sure. expectations that customer has so for mm-hmm. example customer whenever customer reaches out to a bank to open an account or to take any financial product they have certain expectations right one of them to start off with one of them is explicit expectation so when i say explicit expectation what do i mean is that when a customer is reaching to a bank they are expecting that they will get the best product the mm-hmm. best offers right then there is certain expectation that customer has and they can be categorized as implicit expectations these are expectations that a customer develops talking to their neighbors talking to their family members talking to their friends so everyone has a preconceived notion whenever they reach out to a particular bank so for example we have this notion that private sector banks are more customer friendly have a better customer experience as compared to public sector banks right so these are That's the right. implicit expectations that they have next what they expect from uh, a bank or or when they reach out to branches the interpersonal connect so every okay. customer believes that whenever they are talking to someone in the bank they understand them they understand mm-hmm. their needs so instead of mm-hmm. say there are a lot of cases where customers say they have been cross sold an insurance product right mm-hmm. and that was not their exact need so it was mm-hmm. it becomes a case of missile and that's mm-hmm. not a good experience for a customer so this okay. improvement this expectation of interpersonal relationship that they have is again quite an important expectation of any customer reaching out to a financial services institution next is on the digital footprint so with the customers moving more towards digital and understanding and adopting the new digital technologies they are now more open to having services on their mobiles on their laptops rather than they visiting the branch filling up a paper form and getting their things done so that has again came up over the last 2 3 years and fastened up by corona especially where people expect more services on the tip of the hands rather than they have to go to uh, branches right and finally the last expectation or the fifth expectation i would say a customer has is more on the front of uh, how dynamic the bank and the personal in the bank is to manage their services to manage their issues and have a better understanding of and have a better understanding of what they want and try to resolve their problems in shortest period of time as possible so these are so, the five major categories which i feel that a customer goes to a financial institution with in his mind so you have opened up a big you know challenging situation scenarios that today's banks face i think you are very right in saying that you know the digital explosion that is happening up and it's becoming difficult for banks to catch up so how do you think uh, uh, you know today 
every bank is talking about using artificial intelligence and machine learning to understand you know uh, the the behavior of customers and expectation of yes. uh, customers like unlike in days where you know you used to send messages uh, bl blindly to a customer and having no response to a particular campaign or message how is a bank today adopting next gen techno solutions from a artificial intelligence or machine learning models how is it getting incorporated to address the points that you raised a few minutes back okay so one of the very key things that we need to understand here first is that uh, there are certain sectors which have higher regulatory uh, requirements as compared to certain other sectors right so when we look at sectors like banking sectors like insurance sectors like healthcare right they are heavily regulatory oriented as compared to say a sector like fmcg a sector like retail where you can use customer data more freely and in a much more uh, deeper manner as compared to say usage of data in sectors like banking so with all these challenges still we see there is a lot of development that is happening on how the data can be used and the customer experience be uh, enhanced in the banking sector so let me give you a couple of examples of how we are using data in the banking sector right number one would be understanding customers purchasing pattern now there's a lot of transaction level data that every bank has and they understand what sort of customers they have what they are purchasing when are they purchasing right so uh, something very basic as a rfm a recency frequency and monetary analysis can give you a lot of insight in terms of what your customers are buying how frequently are they buying and when was the last time they bought right based on this right. a lot of offers can be cross sold to the customers based on this a lot of services can be uh, a customer can be uh, onboarded on right so something like say if you understand that okay my customer has a credit card with my, with my bank and over the last 6 months i have seen that the customer has made say two transactions per month each transaction is valuing a uh, 100 rupees right for example so with this understanding can i uh, improvise and provide him a better offer on the credit card so that instead of customer spending from his bank account he is using the credit card on which That's the right. bank make more, more money right instead of having right, yeah. just the money in the account if someone is using the credit card that bank is making more money and that's how they are not only improving the customers experience by providing them offer but also creating customer delight and also helping the bank improve their profitability so this is one use case how banks are leveraging yeah you said the merchants uh, get a transaction when the bank actually try to you know kind of position a merchant offer to a customer so that yes the pick up from the customer is there and instead of using a bank account use a credit card and yeah. the bank gets revenue out of the merchant transaction as well yes but uh, i just wanted to ask you we are talking about in this case a real time scenario where for example how do i know that the merchants offer which the bank has got a tie up with gets to me at the point of need like when i am visiting a superstore that is where when i need to be reminded of 
or yes. I am visiting a automobile showroom. I need to get an auto loan at the point of place where I am actually yes. interacting or doing a taking a decision. And that's the yes. time when the bank needs to come and reach out to me. Yeah. So how does that happen uh, uh, today in the industry in terms of how does bank equip themselves to reach out or what kind of models they're using for that? Okay. So this is a very important or it's a very valid problem that you brought up. And it is not just digital or data that can solve this problem, but it has to be a physical approach. When I say physical, it is basically physical presence plus the digital approach, right? So how can banks improvise on this? So you would see, say, whenever you go to a showroom, an automobile showroom, you will not just have the, uh, say, if it's Nexa, you will not just have uh, employees from Maruti, but you will also have employees of Bajaj Finance there. You will also have employees of HDFC Bank there sitting and waiting for customers to come in, provide them auto loans, right? Earlier, what used to happen was that everything they had in hand was fixed. It was pre-decided that auto loan can be given for 7%, for example, say, and you walk in and you ask, okay, so I'm purchasing this car. The person of the bank or the finance, financial institution will reach out to you. You will fill up the paper form and then they will tell you that it's 7%. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Now, how is this experience getting enhanced? Number one, the paper form format has drastically reduced. So a lot of technology has been incorporated and all these forms have been shortened they have moved on tabs, right? They have moved on mobiles. So that is where you have customer experience improving. A customer doesn't need to fill up a lot of details. Secondly, when we look at the rates to be given, right? Now, based on customer's profile, because everything is in the mobile or the tab of the sales representative of a financial institution, they don't need to be need to have a fixed interest rate based on customer profile. Someone having a credit score of 750 plus, they are the existing customers of HDFC Bank. They are maintaining a average balance of say five lakh in their account monthly. So all these factors can go into and help the salesperson come up with a interest rate of saying, okay, sir, so it's 6.75% for you because you are an esteemed customer, and I also see that you have a long standing relationship. So uh, if you look at the entire experience, you are providing customers something which is curated to them based on a lot of inputs or the data crunching that happens at the back end and the input which the sales representative gets on the mobile or his tablet. And not just this, but also you are improving the customer's experience by enhancing the communication that you are having. And how am I enhancing the communication? Earlier, I would have not had this information about the customer because everything was on physical, right? So a sales representative would not have known that, yes, Akash Mishra is a customer of HDFC Bank, but now he knows. So he can address me by name. These are the small things which actually helps a customer build better relationship, helps customer ease. So taking a loan is not an easy decision. Nobody takes it very easily there is a lot of scrutiny, a thought process, discussion goes into it. So all these things help them uh, ease out in the process, help them talk to the sales representative more openly. 
So instead of these products being more of a push product, they are becoming a pull product. Why? Because of uh, providing the power through technology and data in the hands of sales representatives who are sitting in front of customers. So when you ask me this question as to if someone goes to an automobile store and they need to take, how is digital helping? It is not a pure play digital, but it will, it, it will move on. But for that, a lot of further developments needs to happen. A lot of regulatory enhancement needs to happen. Something, say, as I said, there are certain sectors which are more regulated as compared to others. One of the programs which Starbucks used to run for loyalty was based on the GPS location of customers, right? That's correct. So if we are able in the banking, if we are able to reach up to that stage based on all the regulations, data security, et cetera, then probably this need of digital approach will start waning off and we will see pure digital play where the bank knows based on the GPS location of a customer. Okay, so he's in a showroom, a push notification can be sent because you are an esteemed customer of the bank. If you are thinking about buying a sedan, you will get an interest rate of 6.5%, right? So that's how it yeah. will move. But a lot of other innovations or regulations needs to combine and needs to come into place so that we don't have uh, we don't have a necessity need to have a digital approach which we have right now thank you uh, uh, have you worked on any next best offer modeling uh, using any yes. of the ml algorithms would you yeah. uh, elaborate and let the you okay. know audience know that you know what kind of models can be used to uh, develop a next best offer for a banking product Okay, so I would start off by breaking a myth. So when we look at next best offer models, you can create a, so it has a lot of things which gets into, uh, get into this kind of models and decision making, right? For example, within banks, there are multiple segments. Which segment are you working for? Are you working for, say asset, are you working for liability? Are you working for third party? Are you working for HNIs? Are you working for NRIs? Are you working for uh, individual customers, domestic individual customers, right? For each of them, the next best product model would be in a different way because you need to bring in a lot of business nitty gritties into the entire scheme of things. Now, how do these models work is basically you can, it is not necessary that you need to always use a deep learning model or a black box model like neural networks. You can use simple regression models. Logistic regression is a good model. Random forest is a good model. What is important is how you are preparing your data for modeling. That's the most important thing when you get into data science or analytics and you are trying to come up with an offering, a classification or a regression kind of an, a model to provide customers something which you, which you are predicting, right? So how are you capturing the data? A lot of data that the banks, the insurance firms currently have are data which has inbuilt biasness. Now, when I say biasness, whenever, say, an insurance agent reaches out to you, 
they have this thought in their mind that they need to sell you the highest premium not the best product for you right so in that case instead of him giving you a term plan he has sold you a ulip right so in in this case what's happening is there is an inherent biasness which gets generated and these kind of inherent biasness have been existing in our banking and insurance sectors for many years or maybe decades so how so does these, this models yes. how does this when you do the modeling yeah. uh, as you rightly said you have uh, uh, data as a major you know challenge that comes in let's assume that you have got the data you know uh, i would want the you know, know listeners to understand uh, when you decide on let's take for an example of a simple regression uh, or a svp or uh, any of the ml models that we are talking about so how do you go up picking up that model and how does the feature extraction happens because you see there will be a enormous number of features that may be required to identify a particular problem so how yes. does that dissection happens in terms of or decision happening in terms of which are the best features that can be selected for this model and finally how how do you actually evaluate the biasness and in uh, the model performance you have any statistical uh, figures that you take or benchmarks so would that be okay. uh, it will be of yes. great help if you could add on that yeah so let me take you through cycle of a data analytics project and how is it implemented executed and how the final model is decided right excellent excellent so first of all data gathering you not just have banks source for the data but nowadays a lot of partnerships are happening from banking side with say third parties such as transunion civil or experian equifax right that's correct and yeah. they also source data of customers from these parties so it is not stand alone banking data but a lot of data and understanding of the customers entire 360 degree financial uh, uh, data points yeah. and take yeah, that into talking, consideration we, yeah we are talking about 720 degree customer data yes. 360 degree something which is already there in the bank yeah. and you talked about you touched upon a point where external data points which comes in which makes it 720 degree uh, as what we are talking in the banking today yes so yeah. once you have this entire data from the ecosystem of not just bank but even outside then this data starts getting uh, prepared for modeling right now when i say preparation it just doesn't mean to collate the data in a saas dataset or uh, a CDP csv or yeah some yeah. any format right yeah, any, but any it's format. more about how are we preparing the data from the quality aspects such as looking at outliers looking at missing values and incorporating or uh, removing either removing those data points or uh, updating those data points based certain mechanisms right so a lot of these things get into preparing the data which is now ready to be analyzed now when we talk about analysis whenever you are doing any sort of modeling you have a base model which can be decided uh, based on the existing models that are being run in the company or two three models taken which are very basic such as say generally base models are like your xgboost or logistic regression random forest right. and right. then if That's you have say models, yeah. yes so if you have xgboost then your 
other models would be more sophisticated. They would be neural nets, etc. If you have random forest, your other models could be logistic regression, SVM, right? So yeah. that kind of combination. Now, once these models are ready, now you have three sets of models, say, and you have results from all the three set of models. You will have some parameters, say, you you looked at ROC curve, you looked at AUC area under the curve, you looked at various other parameters. It could be accuracy, precision, recall, F1 score, etc. However, however, because of the inherent biasness that I was talking about, these matrices are not the best way how you finalize on the model. So whenever you have the three models ready, take the output of all the three and run campaigns. When I say campaigns, say a bank can have crores of customers. So for example, say if HDFC bank has five crore customers, right? You run a campaign on 100,000 customers using all the three models and then have a feeling or look at the outcome of all the three models in real time, right? So you, okay. if it's a say cross-sell model for uh, selling, upselling mutual fund, right? For example, you are upselling mutual fund. Take the output from random forest, take a sample of 100,000 from logistic regression 100,000, SVM 100,000. For all these three, send them emailers, right? Say you're, it's an email campaign and you are offering something for mutual fund, which they can purchase. Then after three months or one month, that can all these are campaign management aspects, which can be pre-decided with the marketing team and other product teams. And then say after three months, you analyze or you look at measure how each model worked. From that, you will get the best idea of which model should be finally taken and should be scaled to the entire population of the bank. That's so how talking, you... So, so you're talking about experimental uh, activities. Yes. You pick up uh, uh, the responses from a particular model. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, leverage the campaigns and see the performance. So you're actually yes. talking about live performance. So but yes. from a banking perspective, when you would look at uh, uh, picking up or selecting a particular model, you since you have eight years of experience, you would have gone through it. So from a typical bank boardroom or from the decision makers, when you say that I want to take up a machine learning model, what are the challenges or what is the expectations in terms of, hey, look, there's already uh, uh, heuristic models running up. So you're bringing up uh, AI or ML models. So how does the decision disparity uh, you know, uh, on the decision uh, happen? Uh, if you could throw some light on that. Yes. So this again is a very big challenge. And the challenge is that whoever it be outside the data analytics or the data science team, they need to be explained in a way which is in layman terms, which is more business oriented, business focused, rather than giving them statistics or giving them measures, which a lot of people may not understand, right? So if I reach out to a SENA management person and if I say that I have created a random forest model, which is giving me an area under the curve of 98%, Oh, it's an excellent model from a data science perspective, but then it makes no sense to a senior leadership. What will That's he do fair. with a 98% area under the curve when the sales has not gone up, right? So right. what we need to understand is these models are just 
a directional focus or they are more of uh, tools which enhances what you are going to do rather than something which is uh, written in stone and you need to just follow them, right? So please understand that when we are looking at business from a whole perspective, for example, I'll give you a very simple case of what I worked on sometime back in one of the organizations. So we created a model where we were uh, identifying which product a customer would buy, what should be the ideal premium that can be pitched to the customer. And this information was being passed on to the salesperson on the field through the CRM. Mm -hmm. Now, ideally what our expectation was that the sales personnel will open. And then when he's talking to say a customer, so he would say something like this, hi, sir, uh, I have come from XYZ company and we have an excellent product for you, which is ABC. And I would like to explain that this is, these are the features of the product and it would just cost you 10,000 10, rupees. But because of a lot of business pressure that he has, pressure from his superiors, he would have had a morning call with the branch manager, he would have been asked for, okay, what's your day's target? What's your monthly target? Where are you standing? So instead of reading it out in this manner, what he will do is, hello, sir, I have a great XYZ plan. It will cost you one lakh rupees because he needs to mm -hmm. do that, right? So these are the challenges that come into picture. Now, how to overcome them and create a culture where everyone is following data. Now, my personal belief is that this culture comes from the top. It has to be driven from the top rather than bottom up. It's more of a top-down mm -hmm. approach where it can actually help everyone uh, down the line to take up uh, such initiatives happily and be uh, more open about these initiatives. So how do we do that, right? So the biggest question, how do we do that? This is exactly where how I was explaining the models are evaluated and then they are executed in terms of running small campaigns. So these campaigns become the base to tell, okay, because I made this model and because my random forest model gave me a successful email open rate of 15%, a conversion of 5%, and I see an uptick in sales uh, on BAU basis, my sales would have been say one crore because of these enhancements that I have made, my sales has gone up to 1.25 CR. Now with these as my slides or as my way of communicating to the senior leadership, they see a value in implementing random forest models, right? So okay. these kind of stuff need, all these are very highly integrated now, something like, say, let me take an example of, say, Swiggy or Uber, right? So whenever you book uh, your cab or you order something, you see on the app the time remaining, right? So that time remaining is an outcome of an ML model. So it, it is as simple as, say, implementing a supervised learning model, and you will get, okay, it's 30 minutes remaining. It's not that simple. There are a lot of data enhancement that needs to happen for that 30 minutes to be accurate. Otherwise your outcome can be 30 minutes and the person reaches in one hour. We don't want that. But in those cases, yes, what you can look at is how is your model performing based on the past data? How did your, so it is not just 
the forward looking way, way of running a campaign and testing the model, but also backtracking. When I say backtracking, you also need to implement this model on the past data and see how the model is performing on the past data, right? So okay. both the approaches needs to congruently work, the forward looking mechanism and the backward looking mechanism. And that's how you finally zero down on a model. And that's how based on the forward looking uh, mechanisms, you come up with uh, pointers or you come up with uh, ideas or insights which are more business focused and which are more receptive by people who are making decisions, by business heads, by department heads, product heads, etc. Now, once you have them convinced, you have their confidence, then it trickles down very easily and it becomes very easy on the field to implement such models. Thank you, Akash. I think you, uh, you gave us a very good idea about how ML models uh, need to be successful and how it can be actually driven into a bank in terms of insights. You've given a wonderful idea for the you know, people who are listening to our uh, podcast. Uh, one last element that I wanted to touch about is today banks are talking about customer, uh, you know, uh, customer lifetime management as a big chunk yes. of uh, in a thought process. What is your take and have you worked on any models uh, which are linked to CLTV models? Okay. Yes. So customer lifecycle management is a big topic in banking where for right from onboarding, you are trying to enhance customer's experience till the time they are a part of your system. So there are multiple things into it, right? Onboarding. Now, when we look at customer lifecycle management, it is not just about providing them nudges on the best product for them at the particular lifetime, uh, at the particular life stage. For example, if someone has just got married, how will you identify if customer has, say, updated his uh, nominee to be his wife? Then you know, okay, so he has recently gotten married and you are sending out a mail stating, does your wife also have a term plan or does your wife also has a, or we have a great offer on the family account, right? That's correct. So these are the things which are going on, but there are more to customer lifecycle management than, than just cross-selling or upselling based on different life cycle, life stages of a customer. And those are constant communication. So how do you drive communication right and when i say communication it need not be an offer but it can be a slight nudge based on customers purchasing history for example if a customer has uh, not maintained his balance for last three months right can we send out a communication and all these things are getting automated so there is no person sitting and managing for each customer but all these things are getting these processes are getting automated say, look at uh, a customer having a credit card with the bank and they have been using the credit card at least thrice a month for last six months. Suddenly in the last quarter, you see that the customer has not done even a single transaction, right? right? So all these kind of nuances that can be looked at from the data becomes a great point as to how you create the communication cycle within the customer life cycle. And apart from this, the existing uh, models which help with customer lifecycle management, it could be based on, say, someone's child has taken birth 
or marriage or retirement etc all these things all these data are slowly getting captured based on people updating their data with the banks and these data points are getting utilized in a way that banks can cross sell upsell and become more relevant for the customer rather than just being a place to store money so that's how customer life cycle management is changing the communication within the customer life cycle management is changing when we talk about the models that are implemented now these are again simple uh, supervised learning models that go into uh, each stage for example say you can have a classification model where you are or you can even have as basic as clustering right where you have clusters of married people clusters of unmarried clusters of professionals and have a look at each cluster and try to implement a supervised learning model within the cluster to identify the best product so this is more of um this is more of a complicated way of how to do things but on ground on ground in reality this is how it happens a supervised learning model is not directly implemented but it is implemented on each clusters so that you have enhanced accuracy for the supervised learning rather than just having uh, rather than just trying to keep improving the accuracy so with all these things the custom life cycle uh, is getting enhanced and it's getting i would say it's getting more appropriate for the customers so rather than banking and its allied products being more of a push product they are becoming a pull product because we are reaching out to the customer at the right point of time at the right stages of their life cycle and hence improving their experiences so what you mentioned uh, in your discussion is uh, machine learning models are a need of the hour for banks considering the complexity of the journey the customer is incurring today with that the expectation of the customer has been changed a lot so yes. uh, customer is expecting a real time personalized interaction from the bank they are not expecting uh, a business or the banks to give uh, sending mails which are not relevant to them so to manage this complexity obviously uh, we are expecting machine learning to do a lot of job considering the changes in the dynamics of uh, the you know digital evolution that is happening uh, i think even going forward i think uh, we are we, we are also talking about segmentation i think one area which we didn't touch exactly. upon today uh, segmentation and churn could be another two areas where banks are really focused upon to reach out to these goals yes so considering today's timelines i think uh, uh, thanks akash for giving us this good insight i think the viewers will get a lot of insight or you know their preparations in terms of reaching out uh, or making a career out of data science uh, makes a lot of relevance this talk has got a lot of relevance in into you know anybody who's looking at uh, making their career uh, thanks akash that was a nice uh, time that you gave us thank you very much thanks pravin there's just one last thing that i would like to sure. say so yeah. when we say data science it looks glamorous because you are thinking only about the supervised and supervised learning and neural nets etc but please understand that data and its preparation is the most important step and as and when this data gets enriched these models will help further in each sector or each segment and enhance customers experience right 
so it is okay. not just about applying ml models but also uh, getting customers to update more of their data with the bank more of uh, what's happening in their life with the bank with these enhanced data points only a ml model will be able to give an output which is going to help a customer and it is so ml models are not god's gift right so you can't expect that your data is not proper and an ml model will give you an output which is which will increase the business and also customer experience so both of these go hand in hand thank you thank you a lot so hope to thank see you, you again in another series yeah